Why, hello, stranger. Okay, Megan. Nope, that's not my name. I'm Triptolemus. I respect your name choice. Uh-huh. M one's a little bit long. It's going to be a little bit hard for me to remember because it's a Greek, a Roman, Greek. a Greek name. Yes. I'm a warrior connected with the goddess Demeter. No, I'm, I'm cutting this, Megan. I'm um, not Megan. I'm Triptolemus. Is there a reason you're doing this? Uh... Hopefully that doesn't come across as casually transphobic. Here's the thing about As You Like It. Is it a good play? No. No. When you make jokes about it, does it sound transphobic? Yes. Welcome to Avant Bard, a podcast where two theater nerds explore the highest highs and the lowest lows of works inspired by that upstart crow himself, William Shakespeare. My name is Megan Charlow, and I use she-her pronouns. And my name is Matthew James Marquez, and I use he-him pronouns. And you might have noticed that we didn't have quotes from the film we're discussing today, because today we are discussing the 2006 film, As You Like It, directed and adapted by Kenneth Branagh. This version of As You Like It takes place in late 1800s Japan, where British traders are setting up trading outposts so the main characters don't have to be Japanese actors. I hate this. I mean, it's not because of that, Megan. It's for good reasons that I'm sure will come up because it has to do with the play, Megan. You can't just make a choice and not have anything to do with the play, right? (sighs) Anyway... This adaptation was produced by BBC Films and HBO Films, as well as Kenneth Branagh's very own, very short-lived production company, The Shakespeare Film Company, which only produced this and Kenneth Branagh's Love's Labor's Lost, which we will definitely cover one day. So Megan, he made several... Popular Shakespeare films. But they weren't from this company. So so he made those and then he went, I should make a company because I am full of myself. And? He did two and he stopped. It failed. I'm going to come out and say something. (gasps) Oh, controversial? So controversial. Unless you know me and then it's like, well, yeah, duh. I hate Kenneth Branagh. <laughs> you hate Kenneth Branagh, Megan? I hate him. You know, the only time I ever liked him was in those god-awful Harry Potter films. <laughs> I mean, the films are actually okay. No, I like the films. I just hate J.K. Rowling, so yeah. everything is tainted. Hey, it sucks, Megan, because yeah. those are part of our childhood, but mm-hmm. you also don't have to give them any money. It's true. But that's the only time I ever liked him because um, he's full of himself. And I was like, oh, they just had Kenneth Branagh come and play himself? They did, because he played Gilderoy Lockhart. You're getting ahead of me now. Sorry, I just hate him. So this film was not released widely theatrically in the U.S., which probably accounted for the lack of success of this film. They're just like, oh, we'll put it on HBO. It'll be fine. You know... The home movie box office that a limited amount of upper middle class people in America had access to in the early 2000s and let me think probably didn't want to watch an adaptation of As You Like It. You know, 
Shakespeare, the guy who made plays in theaters that famously were accessible by all people, was put onto HBO like it was a prestige television. It made $500,000 overseas, but its budget is question mark, question mark, question mark. So I couldn't find anything. $500,000 is like nothing. No, no, it's bad. You're like, it made that. And I'm like, so I lost money probably? Yeah. It's a film steeped in Orientalism. That's also a knock against it. Yeah. Oh, and also HBO Max, where we watched this film, called this adaptation in the description exotic, which sucks so hard. So, uh, Sir Kenneth Branagh. Is he actually a sir? Yo, Megan, he got knighted in, like, 2006. Why? Because uh, of his contributions to acting. God, he did not need that. He's a graduate of the Royal Academy of the Arts and is super still president of such academy. He's the head of it. He took over for Sir Richard Attenborough. Megan, do you know who Sir Richard Attenborough is? nature attenborough's brother but what did oh he did something and i also was like oh like david attenborough it was something we did no 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 that's what we did on the podcast no megan welcome to jurassic park (laughs) megan and you want to know what he does in kenneth Branagh's hamlet welcome to hamlet park No, but a very similar one-line person. He gets Sir Richard Attenborough to come in and say, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. And Megan? For the former president of the Academy of the Royal Arts, he gave a line that you would usually give to the guy who's never going to do a play in your company ever again. Such weight. (laughs) Anyway, enough about Sir Attenborough. Let's get back to Kenneth Branagh, your favorite human being. Megan, if I had known that you hated him so much, I would not have written so much about him. How did you not know this? You live with me. He's been nominated for five Academy Awards for different things, including voiceover for documentaries. How many did he win? None. Good. He has won a whole bunch of other awards, including two Emmys and three BAFTAs. Other people have gotten more. So we're doing Marquez's directing corner. You already started it. No, (laughs) no, I usually usually just say a few things, but he's an actor as well as a director, so I'm covering both. So this is like a mini acting corner. So here's actually my thing about him before we get started. Yeah. I like him as an actor. You don't like him as a director? I hate him as a director. Oh, he's a man? And just as an entity, I don't like him. He's a bad director, Megan. Yes. So okay. let's go Let's go over his directing credits. Yeah. Or at least the ones that I care about. Yeah. I cut the ones I don't. Yeah. Henry V, that was his big thing that he had a stage version that was really popular. And then that's what propelled him into mm-hmm. film and directing. And that's really what made his name. He's, I wish it never happened. He directed Much Ado About Nothing. You must know this one. It's the one with Keanu Reeves. Yes. And Denzel Washington. Yeah. He did Hamlet. No. He did the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, no. He unabridged Hamlet. Nope. Hey, that one's got Robin Williams in it. And Billy Crystal. Yeah. And I don't want to sit through four hours. He did a musical Love's Labor's Lost. I will give him credit for that. That one has Matthew Lillard in it. 
It does. And also, no one ever does that play ever. Yeah. And he did it and made it a musical. I mean, it's such a good decision of him to make a play that no one has ever seen before into the first film in his it's film company. It's going to propel the company to yes. success. Yes, yes, yes. He directed Thor. One of the lesser Marvel films. It is bottom half for sure for me. He directed the live action Cinderella that everyone saw. The newer one? Yeah. Okay. Artemis Fowl. No. He did that movie that was so bad that it had a release date, but when the pandemic came, Disney was like, we should just dump that on our new streaming service. (laughs) And has recently, in his most recent role and directing things, been Hercule Perrault in Murder on the Orient Express and Death on the Nile. Here's another thing. How do you direct yourself? In a movie, especially? Yeah. People have done it. But has anyone done it well? Megan? Oh. I can name you one other thing that you like him in. What? He was Miguel in Road to El Dorado. Yeah. I like him as an actor, except when he's directing himself, and then I'm like, shut up and make this shorter. He was also married to Emma Thompson and cheated on her with Helena Bonham Carter, and like, how can you do that to actual goddess Emma Thompson? No wonder I hate him. I didn't even know that. Yeah. Hey, Megan, let's talk about As You Like It. All right. As You Like It is a play about a girl. Once the, Okay, here's the thing. I want everyone to know I don't prepare notes when I talk about the plays because part of it is me testing myself in my knowledge of Shakespeare. So Rosalind is the daughter to the Duke, and then the Duke's brother is like, Nuh-uh-uh, I'm the Duke. Goodbye, Duke, and the Duke is exiled. But that happens before the play. And Rosalind is like, Oh, look, a wrestler, he's hot. And then the new Duke is like, I hate that guy. And then completely unrelated, she gets exiled and she's like, I'll be a boy. And then she finds the guy she likes in the woods and she pretends to be a boy and then they get married. So it's also a play about the forest and society. Yeah, but not in like a cool way. Yeah, but we should talk about it. It's a comedy. It's a comedy and it's bad. The forest provides freedom from social conventions. Which is like, oh, hey, she's pretending to be a boy. It's flipping things on its head. It's also a place where you can find love in places you weren't looking for. Except for the fact that she met him in court and they would have been totally fine getting together if it weren't for the fact that the new Duke was the Duke instead of her father who loves Orlando, who's the guy, because he loves Orlando's father. I was also going to say that even though Shakespeare does have this thing where forests lower, you know, social conventions, it's always people of status marry people of status and common people marry common people. Yeah. I mean, social movement was like non-existent. No, it wasn't. It wasn't a thing. Okay, Megan. Yeah, I need you to read me information on Rosalind that we've known for years and constantly bring up to each other. So, I dislike As You Like It as a play. This is known. I also dislike Rosalind as a character, for the most part. So, I was in college looking for plays to either write about, perform. I forget why I was looking it up. But I came across the Wikipedia page for Rosalind. Now, listeners. Do not report this, but... You have to let it stay up because it's so bad. 
It's because I want it to be there forever. We should print it out, make a hard copy before so someone gets rid of it. Yes, we should. There is an unsourced section on Rosalind's Wikipedia page, so no citations given. It's just someone's opinion. On Rosalind, under the category analysis. So I will read that to you verbatim. Rosalind is one of Shakespeare's most recognized heroines. No. Generally noted for her resilience, quick wit, and beauty, Rosalind is a vital character in As You Like It. True. True, but that's like, you can say that about every lead in every Shakespeare play. Most commonly seen next to her beloved cousin, Celia, Rosalind is also a faithful friend, leader, and schemer. Like, one of those is true. Schemer, yes. Faithful friend? When? When? Leader? She's like, I'll solve our problem. No, she's like, we're Uh, leaving. And Celia goes, okay. She stays true to her family and friends throughout the entire story. She doesn't have any throughout 90% of it. No matter how dangerous the consequences. What? Um, There's no consequences. She's told she has to leave and she follows the order. What consequences? Also, just the fact that she stays true to her family. Yeah, she uh, hears that her father is in the woods and uh, goes to the woods and then doesn't doesn't talk to to him. him. Rosalind dominates the stage. Her true decision-making skills can be seen in the last scene of Act 5. Open parentheses, the number five, close parentheses. So they said act V, five, in case you're dumb. Where she has to present herself as Rosalind to her father and to Orlando, but at the same time change Phoebe's opinion to Mary Sylvia's. No. And then the last sentence. The most buckwild of them all. She is the main character of the play who extracts the clarity of important traits in other characters. What does that mean? Can you give me an example, please? Can you clarify? No, there's no no citations here, Megan. Rosalind is so hot, she would marry me if she saw me. (laughs) To go over the most buckwild things in this paragraph, she is one of Shakespeare's most recognized heroines. Juliet, already named one way more recognized. Lady Macbeth. If you asked a person on the street who Rosalind is. If you asked a person on the street, name a Shakespeare female. Rosalind wouldn't even come up in a family feud. No. Like, listen, I love Viola. You'd never be like, she's the most recognized female. Not even close. I would say that third place by a long shot is Cat Beatrice. Mm, Ophelia. Ophelia. Ophelia's third, Cat's fourth, and then Beatrice is a far distant fifth. Anyway. Uh, so Like, th- even Hermia and Helena, I would not say, and they're in one of the most popular plays. Yes. Yeah. The next thing is calling her a faithful friend, leader, and schemer. And then the last two obviously being the last sentence that I just said in Act V5. Anyway, I just have to share that. It's time. I'm going to go fast because I talked a lot about that Wikipedia article. Yeah. New and improved. Marquez's acting corner. This film has a lot of actors I care about. Oh no. 
I need to go fast though. Bryce Dallas Howard plays Rosalind. She's a new actor at this point. She is the daughter of director Ron Howard. She makes it big a year later with M. Night Shyamalan's The Village, a movie that I hated when it came out, but kind of like now, she was also in Lady of the Water, a film I haven't seen, but remember the trailer. I do also remember the trailer. What do you remember about the trailer, Megan? Lady in Water. Lady in the Water. Yeah, uh, guess what she played in Lady in the Water, Megan? Was she the Lady in the Water? She was, in fact, the Lady in the Water. Hell yeah. Uh, She was Gwen Stacy in Spider-Man 3. She was a racist in the movie The Help with future Gwen Stacy Emma Stone, which I just like. She replaced the original actress of Victoria in the Twilight movies because she was such a big name. And in between one and two, they were like, oh, we need to bring Victoria back. Eh, But we need to fill this role with a famous actress. (laughs) Megan, what's her name in the Jurassic World films? I'll give you a dollar if you know her character's name in Jurassic World. You don't, Megan. You really don't. Audrey. Nope. Emma. Nope. Elizabeth. Nope. Her name is Claire Deering. Claire! I was close. I was not close. She also directed two episodes of The Mandalorian. Nice. That's Which ones? Cool. No, I, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> David Oyelowo, Golden Globe nominee, plays Orlando. He was Martin Luther King Jr. in Selma, directed by Ava DuVernay. He has his own production company, Yoruba Saxon Productions, which has made several films and is in the works to produce a Rocketeer sequel for Disney. He's also very attractive. Mm-hmm. Kevin Klein, oh shit, he's done so much. He's an eot. He's great. We love we love him. He's an eot. Yes. He hasn't gotten a Grammy though. Even though he's a great singer, man. He Megan, is a great singer. Why hasn't he gotten the G? Because he hasn't tried. Uh, oh, he was also in Wild Wild West with Kenneth Branagh. I didn't mention that Kenneth Branagh was like the racist villain in Wild Wild West, but Kevin Klein's in Wild nice, Wild, Wild nice. West. Is that where they met, do you think? I don't know. Probably not. Megan, I think no, Kevin, Kevin Klein Klein's is like a big huge. stage actor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. God, I love Kevin Klein. Alfred Molina, he plays Touchstone. Oh, also Kevin Klein plays Jacques, sorry. Yeah, yeah, you should say who people play. Alfred Molina plays Touchstone. He's Alfred Molina. He was Tevya on the stage. Dr. Octopus on our screens. <laughs> I don't know what like what else to say. I love Alfred Molina, but I hate him in this film. Oh, yeah, it's because Touchstone's <laughs> terrible. Also, Brian Blessed is in this film, but we talked about him already for Blackadder. It's true. I feel like it's bad that we don't talk about him, but we already talked about him. We did, man. I'll just go listen to the Blackadder acting corner. Uh, anyway, I went on too long about that damn Wikipedia article, so I don't care anymore. Okay, let's start the film. You know when you go see a show in the theater... I do. And I do that. I do that sometimes. Yeah, and the start of the program has the director's note that ninety percent of people don't read, but you do. And in that director's note, the director tries to convince you why the weird choices they've made are good. So Kenneth Branagh can't have that because this is a movie. So he just plasters it across the screen and forces you to read it at the start. Yep. And this is what it says. In the latter part of the 19th century, Japan opened for trade with the West. Merchant adventurers arrived from all over the world, many of them English. Some traded in silk and rice and lived in enclaves around the treaty ports. So we're going to be in one of these treaty ports, obviously, because it's going to be all white people. They brought their families and their followers and created private mini-empires where they tried to embrace this extraordinary culture. Its beauty and its dangers. What noble savages we have in Japan. It doesn't say that, but that's uh, what I'm getting. 
It's bad. And then he has a haiku. I'm going to vomit. A dream of Japan. Love and nature in disguise. All the world's a stage. Going to vomit. That literally has no reason to be here, except that he was jerking off and thought he was incredible. Kenneth Brada, you're white. Yeah. You're white, you can't do this. Yeah. Kenny, you can't. This isn't yours to play with. Take your ball and go home. So something people might not know about me. You hate I, Kenneth Branagh. Oh, no, no, that's something people should know. So two facts about Megan. Fact number one, I hate Kenneth Branagh. Fact number two, a huge part of my college education was a focus on Orientalism. I took a class in Orientalism and acting. In- Ooh, I wish I knew about that and could have taken it. Um, So I'm going to make a statement right now and say this is not a big research heavy podcast. Oh, yeah. Like, this is two friends having fun talking about something they care about, so I'm not going to bring in a bunch of quotes about Orientalism. But you're white. I'm not going to make this heavy. Yeah, because also I'm white, and, like, my opinion on this doesn't matter as much. So there's a bunch of white people. (laughs) That's what we start off with. Yeah, we start off after that. Uh, Excuse you, Megan. Kenneth Branagh is also pretty good at casting black British actors. Mostly men. You're right. There are like three. I will give him credit. There, there could be zero. There could be zero. Okay, so there's a bunch of white people. They're watching a little show. They're like, oh, ho, 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 wow, Japan culture. Oh, ho, ho. They only show one lady. Walking across the stage, basically, in a kimono. So, like, I don't know if it's, I don't know what it is. No, what it should be. Asian actors performing Shakespeare. I think that'd be great. Oh, that would be great. If like that was the beginning of the If they were like doing some Kabuki Shakespeare? Not even Kabuki Shakespeare. No, but I want to see Kabuki Shakespeare. So they're watching a thing and then, oh no, ninjas attack. Yeah. And who's here to attack him? A big samurai ninja. Oh wait, he's white. He's Brian Blessed. Attacking Brian Blessed. Yeah. And he exiles. So this is... This takes place before the play, because yeah. the exile of the former Duke doesn't happen in As You Like It. So so we're getting a little context. context. I actually like the addition of adding context. Oh, I like the addition. I wish it wasn't this, though. Yeah. Oh, a thousand percent. I like the concept of adding context. And so the old white people have to leave. Aww. Yep. And they go to the woods. And then Orlando says the old duke got ousted by the new duke in whispers yeah so we know oh thank you orlando i couldn't tell because there's no lines because this doesn't happen in the play yeah so the old duke goes to the woods and now we're in the play itself celia and rosalind are cousins and they're really definitely not gay (laughs) they sit so close they are whispering to each other they're like I'm going to cuddle up next to you and talk about how your dad's gone. What also adds to it is the fact that both of their dads are apparently Brian Blessed, but these two women could not look more unlike each other. I also find it interesting because evil Brian Blessed. Brian Cursed. Yes, thank you. Brian Cursed has black hair. Oh, and Celia has blonde hair. Yes. And Brian Blessed has, has gray, gray hair. hair, and Rosalind is a redhead. 
So it's all different colors. And like, yeah, people with red hair get gray hair. So like maybe he had red hair, but black hair to blonde hair. That's rare. She's got recessive traits. That makes no sense. Hey, the wife could be blonde and it could just be a severe recessive trait. Also, white people don't naturally have jet black hair. He definitely greases it. Oh, okay, okay, okay. They're like, there's going to be a wrestling match. And then we cut outside to two boys fighting. And yeah. it's Orlando and Oliver. And this is not the wrestling match. Don't get confused. Megan? Yeah. I need to say something. Yeah. I love the name Sir Roland Du Bois. Also, you get to say Du Bois, Du Bois, Du Bois. It sounds like a joke. Oh, the name? Roll in Du Bois? Roll in Du Bois. These two guys fight. They're brothers. Orlando's like, you've been a huge dick. Oliver's like, no, you. And they fight. And Orlando's like, I want to learn how to be a gentleman. And Oliver's like, nah, not going to do that. I'm not going to spend money. I'm not going to send good money after bad. And then he's meeting with a sumo guy, Oliver is. And he's like, hi, first Japanese person we see. Your name is Charles. And you should defeat my brother because he's murderous and horrible. And he's going to poison you in this wrestling match. Makes no sense. Well, it makes no sense even in the original Shakespeare. It makes less sense here because yes. they wear nothing. Yes. And um, Charles has no lines, even though in the play he does. But this time he's Japanese, so he's given no lines because fuck you, I'm Kenneth Branagh. And also Oliver has a funny monologue after the wrestler leaves where he's just like, God, I hate my brother. I don't Everyone have a Everyone likes him, though. I don't have a real reason for disliking him, except that everyone likes him. And man, it sucks. But like, the actor playing Oliver is doing some work. These are some horrible lines. Yeah, Shakespeare wrote trash for this character, and this character is trash. And it's time for the wrestling match. Fight. We see Orlando's butt. Mm -hmm. It's a nice butt. It's a nice butt. I understand why Rosalind likes him. Some guy, I forget who, goes up to the ladies and is like, you guys should talk to Orlando because he really wants to wrestle this guy. And like, look at that guy and look at Orlando. This guy's an actual sumo wrestler and Orlando is not. (laughs) And so the girls go up and they're like, hey, guy, maybe don't. Also, they put their fans over their faces because of Japanese culture and propriety which I think that Kenneth Branagh is trying to use in order to make it so that Orlando won't recognize Rosalind fully later, but then later she puts the fan down. Yeah, so one, if that's the point, it it doesn't make sense because she puts the fan down. Two, it's just annoying because also this section has asides. Oh, yeah. And when all lines, including asides, are said behind a fan, you can't tell them apart. You also lose... 60% of the speaker's face, and these people do not act with their eyebrows. I know some actors do, but these two girls do not. I have to say, I've never watched a sumo match and thought, oh no, one of them might die. A few things, man. Yeah. Before we get into the sumo match. Yeah, okay. Bryce tells Howard Rosalind, tells Orlando, don't do it. No, you're too sexy. Orlando's response is basically just, what if I want to die? Because there's no I've life. got nothing. I have no, no friends. friends. My life is terrible. And she's like, wow, how attractive. This is the most attractive man I've ever met. He doesn't have any friends. No friends. <laughs> no this friends. Guy. There's nothing attractive about a man who wants to die and has no friends. Eh, I don't know. 
That sounds kind of emo. Maybe she likes that he's See, emo. See, but he Maybe doesn't say it. Girl. But he doesn't say it in an emo way. No. Because he's not like, I don't care about also, that. Also, he's a jock. He can't be. Right. And yeah, he doesn't say it in like a cool way. He's just like, well, I have no friends, so I do not care. Oh, I wrote in my notes, like for real, what does setting it in Japan say anything about anything about the text? It doesn't. Especially if none of the main characters are it Japanese says actors. Nothing. So. See, this is one of the things where if we were in a theater company and Kenneth Branagh was like, I want to do as you like it set in Japan. I'd say, OK, why? <laughs> yeah. I and then I'd read what his plan is for the movie and I'd go, so what does Japan change about this? And you know what he says to that? Well, Japan's pretty and everyone likes Japan at this point in time. No, what he really says is, you see how much money my Hamlet made? And I'd go, this won't. And he goes, I'm actually paying for some of it. And I go, you're not doing it in my company. And he goes, well, I got BBC and HBO films to do it. Literally, Megan. Yeah, it is, I know. He was riding his clout. I know. And it took too big of a swing. <laughs> I'm so mad. I wish he, like, did something good with his swing. Okay, so anyway, the sumo match happens. Yeah, and it definitely looks like Charles dies. Like, I'm not joking. He, like, falls over and stops breathing. And when asked later, they're like, oh, yeah, he's not talking. And I was like, oh, he didn't talk before. Because you cut all his lines. But yeah, so Orlando wins. And then Brian Kirst is like, who are you? Who is your father? (laughs) And he's like... So Roland Du Bois and Oh, I wish you said literally any name. You could have said Stinky Man McPete, and I would have been like, Yay, son of Stinky Man. I hate your dad, and if I didn't, I would have liked you. And then he's like, Get out, I'm done, I'm mad. This wrestling match sucks now. And then he leaves, and Rosalind's like, My father loved Sir Roland Du Bois. I'm still talking behind a fan. I'm gonna go talk to Orlando and give him a necklace with my name on it. I will say the acting is cute. Oh, these two are cute. They've got chemistry. There's the moment where she starts walking away, and he's just like, should I be mute? Like, why can't I even say thanks? She's like, oh, did you call? And she's just like super excited and she shows her entire face. It's a really cute moment. It's cute acting. If they made it clear that they were only not showing their faces because people in court were around, I'd like it more. Yes, but that's not what it was. So they say in front of Orlando, whose father is who? And Orlando goes and talks to a guy and is like, LeBeau. And LeBeau is like, Nasty, bad Brian Cursed's daughter's short. Which I'm like, thanks, Shakespeare, for limiting actress choices. And then he's like, oh, well, my necklace is Rosalind. Sweet. Awesome. I totally didn't pay attention when they were talking earlier. (laughs) Which could be funny if they did it, but they didn't. Yeah, okay. So this is something we mentioned, and there's not really a moment for it, so I'm going to say it here. We mentioned it off mic. I I don't know why I acted like you were there. We we were both... (laughs) sitting on the couch and we're like man he should be a himbo orlando's the biggest himbo of shakespeare yes and kenneth brana just doesn't understand threw it away yep doesn't understand it he doesn't know what a himbo is moving on brian cursed goes to rosalind and says i hate you for no reason i knew i kept you around but i hate your dad the bad duke i'm kicking you out and then he goes up to celia and is like Okay, but seriously, she's making your light hide under a bushel. Like, that's the reason? All the boys are going to look at her boobies and not yours. Come on. And I actually really like Brian Blessed's acting here because he is given something to do. Oh, he's one of the best people in this movie. Yes, 
but, but constantly I feel like he's being wasted because this play's not written well. Yeah, his role is small. And I just want him to have fun. If Rosalind doesn't leave, Brian Cursed's going to kill her. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, we go to Adam in Orlando. Which is act two, scene three, I just want to say. We've jumped from act one, scene three to act two, scene three for like three lines. So Adam says, Orlando, I've got this money that I've saved up over my many years. You take it and I'll be your servant. And here I'm like, Adam, do not do this. So you have the money. You can just go. go. You could be a man of your own. You've been a servant your whole life. And your plan is to give this money to a different guy and say, I'm going to be your servant. No, get your own servant, Adam. No, just don't. Adam, have some self-respect. He's a sweet old man who doesn't know any better. That's it, Megan. He is... The old men who believe in capitalism. Yes. Where he's like, this is how it's supposed to be. You need money because your brother won't give it to you. It's the lower class who still believe in capitalism despite being stepped on their whole lives. Yeah. They have a slim hope that one day they'll be rich. Even Trickle down. Even though they're like 60. Adam's a good actor. Adam's a surprisingly good actor. So he's taking a part, much like Brian Blessed, that has nothing. And he like looks out on the horizon at the sunset. And he's just like... Man, I remember the good old days when your dad was alive and he's giving it such emotion. Anyway, I just wanted to mention that he's a good actor. Yeah, because normally in theatrical productions in that, community theaters, it would be a terrible actor yeah, given that part. Yeah, nothing wrong. So yeah, we cut back to act one, scene three, and Rosalind and Celia are like, we're gonna leave. And they're overacting so much and I don't like it. I will take the thing and put it in the thing. I will put dirt on my, my face. face. Just from an acting slash directing standpoint, I feel like this entire scene, they sound like they're reading a script. Oh yeah, I was going to say. They None sound- of it sounds like they're coming up with it on the spot. They're like, oh yes, I am going to go to the woods and do this. They, and like they, they knew it already. They sound like they know the scene. Yeah. I thought you just came up with the whole Ganymede thing. A no? lack of discoveries. Yes. And then they're like, oh my God, and we'll bring Touchstone. Everyone loves Touchstone. And I went, no, please don't bring Touchstone. You don't need to bring Touchstone. But since we put Act 2, Scene 3 happening during this scene, everyone's going to leave to go to the forest at the same time, which they don't do in the play. So yeah. nice. Good good for us. I will say that these actors are young, and I will forgive them for the overacting stuff. But I will not forgive them for bringing Touchstone. No one should bring Touchstone. <sighs> Then we jump to act two, scene four, where they go, wow, this is the Forest of Arden. Megan? Yeah. This is the only time in the film that they do voiceover for thoughts in their head. And if you do it once. You should do it multiple times. It doesn't work if you only do it once. It's the only time they do it. It's so jarring. I literally wrote, wow, it is the Forest of Arden, because it sounded so alien. I just don't get why direct adaptations that are movies try to shove in filmic language where it doesn't need it. Especially because obviously Kenneth Branagh is like, I like directing stage things. So I'm just going to do that in front of a camera. And then he's like, wait, but it's a movie. So I'm going to put in ADR. And you're like, don't. See, because what I like about Titus is that Titus exists in its own freaking world. Yes. It's not realistic. 
so you could do whatever you want with it. You can play in the space because you've established that there are no rules at the very beginning when the kid is playing with the action figures right. and then things start blowing up. Yeah. You, you've exploded the expectations and here you are doing something different that is completely different to the expectations that we had before and so it doesn't work. Oh, we forgot to mention when the Duke went to the forest, the old Duke, he found a monk and that monk was like, I can help you out. And when Touchstone Celia and Rosalind go into the forest, they come across the old monk and he points a direction. So this is definitely some mysticism, orientalist, unnecessary bullshit, Kenneth Brana. Yeah, like, oh, obviously these people are from court and that is British people putting on the airs of Japanese culture. And when they go to the forest, they come across some Japanese people that help them connect more with themselves, which I think is what Kenneth Branagh is. Like, if I had to say, like, this is what's what Kenneth, his thesis? What is his thesis? But the thing that you're doing then is saying that but Japanese culture can be boiled down to nature is good and healing and all of these tropes that have existed for a long time of just like well they're just more natural they're more just in tune with nature they're noble us. savages uh, yes it is like native american stereotypes as well yes of just like it's yeah the, it's the thing of the people but, native to this land care about the land and we were so wrapped up in our court it, 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 it is a white person thinking that they are doing something beneficial to the culture when they are not that's what this guy is and then we also like when they enter the forest we have a weird scene where a future character will meet william and audrey have a meet cute question mark and it doesn't need to be in the film it doesn't need to be in the film i just wrote a lady in the bushes sees a japanese man because yep. that's what happens. We cut to act two, scene one, and we see the old Duke, Brian Blessed, and his band. Oh, they're happy here in nature. They can just live their lives and vibe and do like some Walt Whitman shit. Where's their weed? They need it. They need it. Like, they're asking for weed. And uh, I want to ask you, Marquez. Yeah. Who do you think Brian Blessed liked playing more? This character. Yeah. It is a shame. That there isn't a filmic Brian Blessed Falstaff. Ugh. There just isn't. Yeah. And that would be like a perfect role for him. Yeah. I'm sure he's played it on stage, but like, oh, yeah. that's a perfect role for him. And I think he's just better when he is happy, boisterous. And I think he's happier. He's really good at being loud mad, but also Old Duke isn't getting loud mad. No, he's soft mad. He's soft mad. Or just like, I'm just mad. Just like, kind of flat mad. So anyway, the Duke is happy to be in nature, and then Jacques, Jacques, Jakes. I do not like it being pronounced Jacques. He's melancholy. Kevin Klein is melancholy. Can we call him just Kevin Klein? Because yes. I hate the way it's yes. pronounced. It's Kevin Klein. So he's melancholy. Anyway, we go back to Brian Cursed. He's just like, where did the girls go? You couldn't get them? Damn. And LeBeau is just like, oh, well, you know, Rosalind did seem to like the wrestler, Orlando. Ah. Uh, what? You are incorrect here. LeBeau says 
Well, I heard from Hesperia, <laughs> who is the main instigator of the bad parts of this plot. That I'm she blaming... was in love with Orlando and left to the woods with him, and they took Celia and your loved fool Touchstone. Yes, it is Hesperia's fault. I'm going to blame her. She is a gossip, and this is all her fault. Also, she's completely incorrect, which I love. Most of the time in Shakespeare plays, they will say what they're doing and then do it. Misinformation is rarely given in a Shakespeare play unless it is hyper obvious. And this is kind of like weirdly not hyper obvious. Well, because you'd think if you got this hyper obvious misinformation that he'd go, oh, go out and kill him. Yeah. But that's like not what he says. He's just like, damn. Well, he he does say to burn down the freaking yes, house. Yes, but he's like, burn down the, the house that he left. The Du Bois house, yeah. Yeah, but it's like, go burn down the house that he left and his brother is in. Do you see what <laughs> gossip mongering does? <laughs> A house is burned down. No more water cooler gossip, guys. It burns down houses. houses. Hesperia? You don't want to be the Hesperia of your office. Right? Here's the thing. It is a character that we do not see, has no lines, and what we're told is a gossip. And those are the characters that I love. I want a Hesperia spinoff. We go back to the woods. Celia's like walking is hard, and that's boring. So we meet Corin and Silvius. You know, a side plot that we don't need. I hate this subplot. It's bad and unnecessary. I care about it more than I ever have because Silvius is pretty cute. Oh, Sylvius is... Okay, Megan. <laughs> Megan? Yeah. You are correct. He's pretty cute. He's pretty cute. He's a cute actor. I was just like, oh, okay. <laughs> but Megan, I hate the subplot so yeah. much because it doesn't need to happen. And then Touchstone is like... Here's my dark backstory. Don't fall in love. I fell in love with a country girl once and it didn't work out. And I'm like, literally no one cares, Touchstone. Uh, and Corin is like, let me show you my forest cottage. They're just like, can you help us? And Corin is like, I don't know. Can I help you? And it's like, we can work for you for room and board. And he's like, let me show you my cottage. And that's it. Yeah. Rosalind, I will say. So Rosalind is like, I'm a boy. Doesn't even try to lower her voice. Oh, does nothing. Does nothing. Puts her hair into a ponytail and doesn't even tuck it in her cap. We cut to Jacques. We cut to Kevin Klein singing a little song. No, some dude is singing a song. He's trying to communicate. Oh, with that's nature. right. It's Amiens. Yeah. Amiens. Amiens. Yeah, I said some yeah. dude, Megan. Starts with an A. A man is singing a song. And it's not bad, but it's weird because they're playing instruments and there are no instruments. And Kevin Klein has said, more sad music. I want more sad music. And the guy's like, dude, we cannot been keep. singing all day. We cannot sing more sad. You couldn't possibly be sadder than you are now so we're not going to play sad music anymore and he's just like i could suck sadness out of music like a weasel sucks eggs that's the only reason to ever keep this scene but honestly it's not worth it just cut this scene i love the phrase like a weasel yes sucks eggs. just throw that line in a different scene yeah but but megan here's the real important part orsino from 12th night could never be this melancholy oh no no are you kidding me Anyway, uh, Kevin Klein leaves and runs into Touchstone doing Tai Chi. Which is not Japanese. That's not Japanese. And then That's they, not Japanese. Yeah, I know. And then they go off and they go, ha, 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 ha. We're saying lines together that are not in the play. Let's laugh and go off together. 
Marquez, did you know Tai Chi is not Japanese? I did, Megan. I did know that. I'm sure if you asked Kenneth Brana, he would say, oh, well, it's because Touchdown's a fool and he doesn't know any better. And I'll go, really? Or is that you, Kenneth Brana? Then we cut to Orlando and Adam. And Adam's like, I'm dying. Maybe I shouldn't have come all this way. Man, this is a bad plan. And Orlando's like, uh-oh. Uh, I should get you some food. Anyway, that was that. Scene. Yeah, and then we cut away before we know if he dies or not. So we cut to Kevin Klein going up to the old Duke and going, I just met this fool. He's so funny. Let me tell you all the super funny jokes that he told me, and none of them are funny, and none of them make me laugh, Marquez. I would say, though, that one great thing about movies is that they got to do this bit in a forest. And I feel like it would be really fun to act this out in a forest where you can throw yourself on the roots of some trees and laugh. Oh, Megan, you just like forests. Oh, yeah, that's the best part of the film. So, Megan, (laughs) I liken this scene to, like, you know when your friend tells you, like, oh, man, I have this comedian that I really like. Let me show you a video on my phone of him. And you're just like, I'm not not laughing. Oh, I hate that. I hate (laughs) that's such an awkward moment for either party. Yes, Because you're showing someone you love something and then they're not reacting. And you're like, great. Or if you're the person you're like, oh God, they like this, but I cannot force myself to laugh. That's not what the film is like. That's what me watching the film is like. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, that's like Shakespeare being like, look at all my funny jokes. And I go, or sorry, it's Kenneth Branagh saying, look at all Shakespeare's funny jokes. And I go, they're not. You shouldn't have kept them. And then Orlando interrupts with his katana and dagger. And he's like, I'm going to kill you all if you don't feed me. So he holds a katana like a rapier and the dagger like you would a dagger. But the dagger is clearly... Like a rapier and dagger dagger. A European dagger. So obviously it's because, obviously, I mean, because Orlando comes from England and he just doesn't know the culture. But that doesn't mean that... I mean, that means that he does have a katana. He wouldn't have. Just give him a rapier. Just be like, yeah, he brought his weapon from home. Why would they not have weapons when they're on the sea where there's pirates? And then they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Calm down, Orlando. Sit down and eat. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. I thought all things had been savage here. He says, as someone who we've seen encounter no hardship except for hunger. Like, I mean, like, he's had hardship, but it's not like the forest or Japan was hard. It was his brother. Oh, okay, Adam's fine. He's alive. He's here. He's gonna eat. Thank God. And then, um, they sing another song. There's another song already. And I'm like, you know what, Kenny B, I'd be fine with this if you used the song and then, like, transitioned and had it in the background. But he just, like, keeps the scene going. And I'm like, this is two hours long. And then Kevin Klein says the famous speech, you know, the one, the one that's really only good out of context and yes. in context makes no You're sense. You're just like, why are you saying this? Last scene of all that ends this strange eventful history is second childishness and mere oblivion. Sans teeth, sans eyes, sans taste. Sans undertale. <laughs> Did you forget that we did that? I forgot that we did that. We both thought of it right before it ended. And you said it first and I will. That's because I said it too early. (laughs) You did say it too early. But that's the funniest shit in the world Uh, to me. Yeah, all the world's a stage is a speech. 
It's a good speech. It's a good speech. And, but, it makes no sense in the play. I mean, that's when Shakespeare was like, I got a banger. And, like, I just wrote the speech like out of nowhere. And I, I don't just put on speeches. So I kind of just toss this in the play I'm writing. Yep. So Brian Cursed charges Oliver to get his brother or Brian Cursed gets to keep all the Du Bois lands that he burned down. He is holding his mouth. So close to Oliver's mouth. Do you want them to kiss, Megan? No, I don't, but I think he does. I like how broken they show Oliver here. It's great. Oh, yeah. No, here's the thing. Every production I've ever seen of As You Like It, I have not given one single shit about Oliver. In this one, I'm like, oh, he struggles too. So then we cut to Orlando putting a bunch of poems in Rosalind's name on a big tree and poems on small trees. So Kenneth Branagh keeps all of Shakespeare's lines as they were. Yeah. So he constantly is just like, I carved her name. I carved these verses. He's not. He wrote in calligraphy with ink on fabric. You could change one line. You could say wrote. Shakespeare's dead. He's not going to complain. Yeah, I don't know. It just bothered me. I don't like when people keep the original text and do something different that doesn't match. If it fits in the meter that you're doing, yes. it's fine. As long as it fits in Carved, the meter. right. Same carved. Wrote. Wrote. They're both, they're all one syllable. Yeah. But yeah, it just bothers me. So we have a useless scene where Touchstone and Corin talk. Yep. I will say the only note that I have before Rosalind shows up with the poems is I agree with Touchstone. I hate nature, but I like the idea of being a hermit living in my own little house in nature. <laughs> like I like the idea of connecting with nature, but I hate being there. Me, mm, myself, Marquez. Mm. So I am kind of like Touchstone in that regards because that's a lot of what he says. I mean, if yeah, I... It's a bunch of contradictions because uh, that's his form of comedy. Yeah. Also, this is just like them trying to be like, well, this guy's a country person. This one's a city person. It doesn't matter. Anyway, so Rosalind shows up with poems. And then Touchstone makes fun of them. And this is the only time in the entire play slash film that Touchstone is funny. Well, yeah, because he says bad trees bear bad fruit. Like that the that the poems are bad fruit from the trees. And yeah. I like that. Yeah. That's the only time I like him. Oh, yeah. And then he sees Audrey and goes, Audrey, my former love? And I guess his dark backstory mattered. No, I hate it. Anyway, Rosalind is like, Celia, look. And Celia's just like, wow, you know who wrote it? And Rosalind's like, no, I have literally no idea. And she's like, a wrestler? Rosalind goes, who? What wrestler? And I'm like, the one you met (sighs) three days ago. You can make this not seem like she's an idiot. Well, no, Megan. What? Rosalind is one of the most insightful. Oh, right. She's very quick-witted. Yeah, so there's a lot of productions where she just seems so excited that she's like, what? No, 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 no. There's literally no way. But in this, she sounds like she's going, what? I don't know who that is. Yep. And then she says, no, answer me in one word who this is. And then Celia talks for like seven pages. (laughs) Yep. Meanwhile, Kevin Klein is talking to Orlando and he's making fun of Orlando's poems because they're they're bad. He's like, you wrote all this on bark. And I'm like, no, that's fabric. And Sorry, I keep bringing that up. I just <laughs> could have been changed. And Kevin Klein hates that Orlando is in love because the world sucks and you shouldn't be in love because the world sucks. And Orlando's like, 
I'll prove you wrong. Okay. And he runs into Rosalind and Rosalind's like, you're not in love. My uncle taught me that love is like this. And I think it's weird. I'm just going to say that Rosalind's like, my uncle said this. I'm like, why not say your father? Yeah. You're super lying by saying it was your uncle. You could just lie and say it was your father. (laughs) But like your uncle would never say this. He's Brian Cursed. So she talks to Orlando as Ganymede, her disguise. Oh, we didn't even mention that, Megan. Oh, yeah. She's like, I'll be a boy. And she doesn't do anything to be a boy. And she's like, I'll be Ganymede. Oh, Celia also says, I'll be Eliana, like an alien. And then like the names come up maybe once later. So let me get this straight for what's happening in this play. Yeah. She's pretending to be a boy. Yeah. But will pretend to be a girl. Yes, because in this scene, in this scene, she's like, oh, I'm going to make you stop loving Rosalind because I'll pretend to be Rosalind and you'll come woo me every day and only ever call me Rosalind. Got it? So I'm not actually Ganymede. We're going to pretend I'm Rosalind. So she is Rosalind pretending to be Ganymede pretending to be Rosalind. In order to get Orlando out of love with Rosalind, but actually is doing it because she loves Orlando. Yeah. Got it. I actually like that. (laughs) And as soon as they clasp hands to be like, yeah, let's do this. I'm like, ooh. They want to have sexy times. They have chemistry, I will admit. So speaking of sexy times. I don't want to watch Touchstone and Audrey have sex. I don't want to watch it. You know who does? Kevin Klein. Yeah, he's just watching, snooping. And then she's actually a a pretty fun character. Oh, I love Audrey. She's actually pretty great. Never mind. She's the best one here. Yeah, because they talk about like poetry and honesty. And Audrey asks Touchstone, like, should I be more poetic? And he's like, yeah. Because you're honest. Honestly, you're ugly, kind of. And you're kind of a slut. And she punches him and says, I am not a slut. Uh, And I want a gift of of (laughs) Audrey. Yes. Uh, it's great. And then he's just like, well, okay, we'll get married and so like, that we can have sex. And she's kind of like Carly Quinn. And then she's like, you suck to me. What? You want to marry me? Wow. Mr. J, Mr. T. Okay. And then they get this bad priest from somewhere from his pocket. He's just like, here's a guy to marry us. And Kevin Klein's like, yeah, I'll witness because I've been witnessing all of this through a crack in the wall. And then the bad priest fell over because he's bad priest. I don't know, Megan. I don't get what happened in this. I don't know. Kevin Klein's like, get a better priest. Do this right or don't do it at all. And then, oh, get it. He's drunk, I guess, or something. I don't know. He falls over and it's like, what comedy? In the next scene, Celia stops being a character. So here's my problem. (laughs) In the next scene, Celia becomes the most interesting her character has ever been and, and then, then disappears yes. as a person. Yes. And I hate it. Cause I'm like, this Celia's just like, dude, just piss her, get off the pot. Like, yeah. I don't I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. If you like him, like him. If you don't, it's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, nice, I like this girl. And then she stops existing. It doesn't make any sense. I hate it. There's no consistency in the characters in this play. And then Sylvius comes in again, and uh, I don't care. Stop coming into this freaking play. He's like, I love this girl, but she doesn't love me. And Rosalind's like, I'll go talk to her. Talk some sense into her. And Rosalind goes and is like, why don't you love this guy? And Phoebe goes, I like you. You're sexy. Uh, So here's the thing about Phoebe. She appears at least somewhat asian the actress yeah and she's supposed to be she's supposed supposed to to be a native 
because so she's supposed the to people be who live in the forest, forest are all Japanese. So she's supposed to be Japanese. But we don't know. And then the lines that Shakespeare has that Kenneth Branagh keeps sound really racist when you put it in that context. Because she's like, tis not your inky brows, your black silk hair, your bugle eyeballs, nor your cheek of cream that can entain my spirits to your worship. Just cut them. That's my thing. If you want to keep words that Shakespeare said without altering them, cool. Then cut the ones that sound racist in your context that you made that's not necessary to begin with. Uh, also, Rosalind's kind of misogynistic. Oh, oh, yeah, no, Rosalind is like, I'm not like other girls. Most girls suck eggs. You you, ju- you like him. Just be with him. Settle. What, he loves you, you so much. You think you could do better, you uggo? While we're on the topic, lines that Kenneth Branagh, I think, should have cut. He kept the line in an earlier scene where Rosalind's just like, I'm a woman when I think I must talk. And I'm like, this is really misogynistic. Why does that guy on Wikipedia like Rosalind so much? Sell when you can. You are not for all markets. He's advice that she literally tells another woman. Yes. And like, I get that she's pretending to be a man, but it's like, but why would you say that? Why would you be a shitty man? Why not be a good man? Sell when you can. You are not for all markets. That is bullshit. You know, Phoebe should like who she likes. Maybe she's gay. Maybe? She's like, wow, I really like the feminine aspects of Ganymede. Everyone, do not like someone just because they like you. No, it doesn't end well. Anyway, after Ganymede leaves, there's this little bit between Phoebe and Sylvius where Phoebe's like, I don't like Ganymede, but actually, uh, I'm going to write a letter about how much I like Ganymede and you're going to give it to him. Every time I've seen it, this little bit, she's been very standoffish to Sylvia still. And in this film, Kenneth Branagh had them like against each other. And it's like very manipulative to Sylvia's. Yes. And I actually really liked that choice. It is one of the first directorial choices in this that I went, ooh, I like her being so close to Sylvius in this. Yes, yes, I agree. It's interesting and it makes you feel bad for Sylvius. It is. We're such good friends. Yes. I know that you- I love you so much as a friend. You'd do anything for me, my friend. Moving on to the worst part of the play. Touchstone is like, Audrey, what? There's a Japanese guy who likes you? I'm gonna confront him. She's like, no, he doesn't like me. And I go, oh. Why are we here? Why are we doing this, Kenneth Branagh? And then Touchstone goes up to William and is like, oh, are you smart? And he goes, yeah, I'm pretty witty. And Touchstone's like, ha ha ha, he says he's witty. Are you cool? Are you wise? Are you hot? Are you cold? Are you yes? Are you no? He like questions him a lot and then he just kind of hurts him. Yeah, so here's what I said. They had an Asian person speak finally. Yeah. Like a person that it's like, this is a Japanese farmer in this film. And um, he acts dumb. He acts like maybe he doesn't fully understand English. He's that nodding, smiling stereotype. And he gets hurt. And he has terrible teeth. Yeah, and then he gets hurt. And then he is abused. So we're done. I hate. Kenneth Branagh. Let's move on, Megan. We gotta okay. move on. Megan, this one is clear. It's obvious we don't need a harp on it. Anymore. I know. So Kevin Klein and Rosalind are talking and they have really good hair, which I don't understand because they've been in the woods for like a week and there's no conditioner or hairbrushes that I've seen. Rosalind also thinks that being sad and jolly in either extreme is bad. 
And Celia is putting flowers into the sheep's wool, and it's very cottagecore, and I like it. Man, if there's one thing I can say about Celia, she's so cottagecore. She's so cottagecore. So Rosalind's mad because she's like, Orlando's late. I, I need to say this. Yeah. This play, we go from scene to scene, and whoever is speaking to whom in the next scene is decided by like a frick wheel i will um, also say that kenneth brana jumps all over the play like the last scene was five one and now we're in four one. Oh yeah but but i'm saying even but in, in general even in shakespeare yeah. it's like oh this one's gonna be jacques and rosalind. rosalind they've never met she's never seen the duke her father i don't know how she's talking to him now i guess he followed touchstone to corin's so anyway, good scene happens. She's like, Orlando's late. I'm super mad. And then finally Orlando shows up and they're like, okay, time for the wooing. And I'm like, girl, you are acting so unhinged because he was late. I would not want to woo you even for pretend. But that's the thing that she's pretending to be a bad girl. girl. And then Orlando, in response, acts like a shitty nice guy, like, Milady, <laughs> I deserve your love because I love you. And I'm like, that's not cool. But I like this scene. I do like this scene. I said I have no notes because it's good. I have a note. Oh. So there's that bit where he's like, I can't remember exactly what it is, but he's just like, would you have my love? She's like, yeah. And 20 like it. And he is just like, huh? You uh, date 20 guys? And she's like, what well, can have one too much of a good thing? But in this, he's just very much like, oh, that's silly. While I kind of like it more if he's like, whoa, whoa, what? I'm sorry. Did you just say you date 20 guys like me? And then she like wins him back over by being like, what? It's a good thing. Like, can one have too much? But in this, he just like goes along with it. And I feel like that's boring. That's fair. I will say that he grabs her and wants to kiss her, which is pretty hot, but also not consent. They're also like, we're going to get married right now. Celia, do it. And I went, she is not ordained. So Rosalind goes to kiss Orlando in the fake marriage. He's like, whoa, 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 you're a dude. I'm not gay. I'm not gay. And she, one tear spills down her cheek. Yep. And then he's like, all right, bye. <laughs> See you tomorrow. What I like is she's like, oh, no, no, no. Now that we're married, I'm different because wives are different. Yeah. Which is not her being misogynistic. It's her testing him once again. Yeah. <laughs> wives, yeah. am I right? And like seeing what her response is to that. And he's like, no, my Rosalind won't be like that. You know she's how, like, no, you, they are. You know how people in work are like the old ball and chain. And you're like, hi, that's the person that you've chosen to spend the rest of your life. Could you Could maybe? you like not? Because that's what she's trying to get him to agree with. Yeah. And what I like is Rosalind is not like that. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Good job. You passed the test. <laughs> Good job, boy. Orlando leaves, and then here's Oliver, and he's going to get attacked by a lion. And I said, hell yeah, Kenny B, show me a lion. I was like, they're not going to actually have a lion, though. Oh my god, they have a lion. That's great. I like that there's a lion in this play that's mentioned. Not You don't see it in the actual... Again, like Titus. Yes, I like that. Titus was what, a tiger? Yes, and they show it, and I like that. Yeah, and so the point is that there's a lion, and Orlando's getting attacked... And Oliver saves him, which you're like, what? But Oliver's bad. And I say for the next scene, can this Sylvia's plot line just end, please? So what happens is Phoebe writes a letter. But what Phoebe didn't think was that Rosalind, who clearly doesn't like Phoebe, 
would show Sylvius the letter that she wrote. Because Phoebe says, I'll write him a letter saying I don't like him. And she does the opposite. Oh, silly Phoebe. Silly Phoebe. And then Rosalind's like, Sylvius, look at this, where she says I'm hot and you suck. So you should not be in love with her. Again, yes. Yes. Opposite is also true to my statement about not liking someone just because they like you. If somebody doesn't like you, you deserve better. You deserve better. So then, yeah, Oliver comes in and Celia just immediately falls in love with okay. him. Okay, I will say, normally, I think they make no sense together. But I think they have very good secondary acting in this moment where he walks in and sees her for the first time and she sees him for the first time. And they're both like, oh, I'm buying. Oh, that person's cute. Like, it's really cute, but then they get kind of sexual. Where he's like, oh, I'm going to have sex with this attractive girl. And I'm like, oh, I don't like this anymore. I think that Sylvius should get together with Celia. Yes. Because they should have a scene where they talk. And Oliver should not be part of it. No, Oliver could show up and not be a romantic interest. Yeah, yeah, no, that's what I mean. And just have a redemption. Yeah, just be like, hi, I saved you from the tiger. I'm very sorry. Hi, my brother's bleeding. Can you guys help him? Cool, thanks. Uh, And uh, (laughs) And Phoebe can live her life. However she wants. Yeah. Rosalind faints when she hears about the bloody napkin. Cause... And then I was like, oh, nice. They just cut and we're just go up. Oh, nope. Now she's waking up and they're continuing the scene. And they're trying to like keep up their disguise around Oliver. But it's weird because they're like, no, I, I faked fainting. Because a girl I... would faint. Guys have never fainted. Yeah. Whatever. Obviously, Celia and Oliver are getting married. Duh. They saw uh, each other. Of course. Have you ever seen someone hot in the woods? And Orlando's fine. (laughs) And Orlando's like, hey, Ganymede, in the water, naked. Are those boobs? Nah? Nah. Okay, cool. Why did they have this in the (gasps) movie? Why do they have this? Why did they put this in the movie? Why were they... Why was Kenneth Branagh like, you know what this play needs? Her naked in water. Man, it made more sense in the Ophelia movie. Yes, because it was used. This is not used. This isn't used for anything. Anyway, I'm trying to wrap up here, Megan, so... No, I get you. So will Sylvius and Phoebe meet up with Rosalind again? And And Orlando, because they're still together. And Orlando is there. Well, Orlando's just there. Yeah. They're like, but I love Rocky, (laughs) Dr. Scott, Janet, Rocky, Ugg. Great Scott! So they do that, and Rosalind's like, okay, this is enough. I can put a stop to this. I knew this wizard since I was three. I love this a lot. No, I hate it so much. I love that she goes, I've known a wizard. Since I was three years of age, and he can make Rosalind appear by magic. Just go to the wedding. Here's my question. I've known a wizard since I was three, and I guess he's here in these woods. (laughs) Come on, guys. Realize it's a lie. Megan, I can make this film better. Yeah. I've known a wizard since I was three. (laughs) God. And you know, all you Japanese people with your Irish wolves. <laughs> they do mention Irish wolves. Uh, Again, Kenneth Brown so, just cut the line. So basically, she promises everyone that they'll get what they want. Except for Phoebe. No, she does promise Phoebe that she'll get what she... No, she doesn't. She <laughs> says, she doesn't. you'll be wed if there's someone for you to wed. She says, I'll marry you if I ever marry a woman. Yes. And I won't. So then you'll marry Sylvius, I guess, is thrown in there and you'll settle. My other thing is all of them saying the different names like Rocky, Janet, yeah. blah, 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 should be funny. 
It's, and it's not, not at all. It's the longest that section has ever felt in any viewing for me. Rosalind also goes and sees her father for the first time this whole play. Uh, but they don't talk. Yes. It's pretty cute, but yeah. I wish it happened earlier. Yeah. Because he's like, oh, a little person that kind of looks like my daughter almost like, come here, come here, like waves her what, forward. And then she's like, oh, no, I don't want to hide you, behind a tree. What you always have to do is just forget that they are father and daughter for most of the play. Yeah. Which is wild. You would never do this. And then for some reason, we cut back to Brian Cursed, and someone's just like, the old Duke lives in the forest like Robin Hood. Did he, you know? And I'm like, this is from 1-1. Why? He lives on vibes and feelings and shits rainbows, my dude. I don't know what to tell you. And it's from 1-1. And then we see a bunch of clips of just Japan's nature. Oh, yeah. And it is so dumb. Okay, it's, anyway. Um, uh, right, right, okay, right. sorry. Wedding, 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 Yeah, wedding, there's a wedding. wedding. So Brian Blessed, the old Duke, is like... Can Ganymede do everything that he says he can? And also, doesn't he look a lot like my daughter? And Orlando's like, I thought he looked like your daughter too. Wild. I met this random kid in the woods who looks like your daughter. And then they're like, here come the animals on Noah's Ark. And it's a bunch of Japanese people. Yeah, they say that, don't they? And then they're like, hi, I'm Hyman. (laughs) (laughs) They kept Hyman. And I did not expect them to keep Hyman coming down to do this. And Rosalind just enters as Rosalind. And I think it's dumb because Ganymede's supposed to show up and be like, oh, hold on one sec. I totally got Rosalind. Step behind a tree. Get dressed up like Rosalind. Be like, it's Rosalind. Get it. So you get the feeling that like everyone is like, oh, you you could do a quick change. Right. Like Like magic. Yeah. But instead, Ganymede never shows up and just Rosalind. So like... Honestly, if I was them, I'd be like, wow, the wizard's real. Ganymede has run off because they got the wizard and then died. And Rosalind came, but they're different people. Okay, so Orlando gets Rosalind. Great. And Phoebe gets to settle for Sylvius. Because they're like, I mean, if you want to marry a chick, gay. (laughs) (laughs) It sucks, Megan. It always sucks. I will say also, I'm glad that Orlando and Rosalind kiss before they say I do. Like as a like, oh my God, it's you and they kiss. Yeah, Uh, I like that. Because I don't like when their first kiss is when they're married. That's weird. Yes. I mean, even though they get married like a second yeah, later. Yeah, but like still. Okay, Megan, uh, I think we're good. I think uh, everyone nope. gets to be happy. No, nope. no. Nope. Ho, 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 it is I, the third Du Bois brother. Who are you? It is I. Do they not like him? They've never even mentioned him. I am here to tell you that the other duke was coming here to kill you, but he met that monk that you all met (gasps) at the beginning. And he's now a hermit in the woods, and everything is fine. You can go back home, old duke, says I, the third Third Du Bois son. I I will say, Shakespeare, the line converted from the world definitely sounds like the bad Duke just died. Yeah, it does sound like that, but he didn't. And then I like it because the Duke is like, okay, let's Let's have have this marriage and and dance and and go home. And then Kevin Klein is like, no, I'm going to go with that other Duke. (laughs) Wait, that guy's super sad and contemplative now? That sounds like a party. Though I did write, 
Jacques, this isn't an airport. You don't need to announce your departure. Because <laughs> yeah. like, they're like, let's dance. And then he goes, ahem, excuse me, I'm leaving. I think it would be more poignant if he doesn't say anything and he and watches. he just walks away. Or he's like watching everyone be happy and he just goes like, this isn't for me. Right. I hate that he's like, um, before you dance. Everyone sings and dances and this lasts like three minutes. <laughs> And we've just wanted this film to be. We're like, okay, it's over. Nope. Now they're running and dancing. Oh, okay. Oh, there's the old Duke against a tree. And Celia kisses his head to be like, see, we're fine. And then he smiles slightly. And then they, oh, nope. They're still dancing. And can we fade? Can we fade to black? Can we fade to black? Nope. The song is continuing. (laughs) Okay, it's over. Wait, nope. Here's Rosalind. Nope, Megan. See, they fake you out and they're just like, Oh, credits. Good. Credits. Directed, oh, nope. and, directed and adapted by Ken. <laughs> oh, sorry. Astronom. I did a Marvel movie. Mid-credits scene. <laughs> okay, so what if instead of the epilogue, Viola shows up? And, it's like, and she's like, I'm making an Rosalind. initiative. This is. She has an eye patch. You become part of a bigger universe. You just don't know it yet. That'd be great. <laughs> if, if Viola had an eye patch, it's like, hi, my name's Cesario. Or is it Viola? I'm here to recruit you for the girls dressing up like boys boys initiative. (laughs) Uh, But instead we have an epilogue. And in that epilogue, it's a real cheeky epilogue. Because Bryce Dallas Howard, oh, is now Bryce Dallas Howard. Dressed up as a character she's playing in this film. And you see the film set. And she like gives a really gay look to the girl who gives her water. And I'm like, okay. And she also says... If you're a guy, like this, because girls like it. If you're a girl, like it, because guys like it, because everyone's straight. And I'm uh, like, you know, Kenneth, you don't need to keep that part of Shakespeare where he eliminates queer people, but okay. What I also like is that she says, a good play needs no epilogue. And I was like, good you're well, right. This is a bad one, though. You're so right. here we are. You know what doesn't have an epilogue? Twelfth Night. Damn right. You know what doesn't have an epilogue? Most. Like, Midsummer does. Midsummer does, and it's the only good one. Yeah. With one. And also, I would like to say, I think that this speech is about the artifice of gender on the stage and like comparing that to the artifice of the stage and just showing the movie making apparatus is not playing with gender one iota. No, and it's not playing with like the different cultures bit. No. It It has nothing to do with whatever Kenneth thought he was doing with the film. Correct. I feel like he had three different theses and didn't actually do any of them. And you want to know what does this better? We mentioned the play, but I'm going to mention the film. The 2016-2017 Midsummer Night's Dream does the epilogue a whole lot better because also... Seated throughout that movie are little snippets of it being like a film. Oh, God. Can we just watch that again? (laughs) We can. I mean, but anyway, this is done. We're done. Bryce Dallas Howard says bye. MVP. Oh, sorry. Do we want to say anything about it? I don't like it. No, it's a bad attitude. Okay, MVP. Let me go through my list. Adam, Oliver, Orlando, Brian Blessed. Those are my top four. You know what? Controversial MVP, Oliver. Because this is the first production where I've actually cared about Oliver at all. Please tell me who this actor is. Adrian Lester. Adrian Lester as Oliver is my MVP. He's a member of the most excellent order of the British Empire, which is rewarded to contributions to the arts and sciences. He is a knight. 
Sir Adrian Lester. He was also in Love's Labor's Lost, so we'll get to see him again one day. Okay, we'll see if he gets MVP from me in that, too. He was also in Spider-Man 3, Scenes Deleted. Aww. I am going to go with David Oyelowo as Orlando. The brothers. Because I liked him. I wish he could have been more of a himbo. That's the only reason I didn't choose him. That's fair. I thought he was doing really well with what he had. Yeah. Okay, Ryan. Yeah. So fun fact. Yeah. There's no Roger Ebert because this was a HBO film. Oh, fair. But. But. Do you have what Shakespeare would have thought of this film if he saw it? Yeah, I think this is what Shakespeare would have said if he saw this film. It is like an ill-roasted egg all on one side. Got him. Is that from As You Like It? Nice. It is from Touchstone talking to Corin, and Touchstone's like, man, you're damned. You don't know shit about court. Marquez, what would you rate as you like it? I would rate it two scenes where Rosalind and Orlando interact and are good out of the entire frickin' play, which I hate entirely. Megan, what would you rate Kenneth Branagh's as you like it? I would rate it two very obviously offensive Japanese characters out of six mediocre lovers. All right, I think that's going to just about do it for us here on Avant-Varde. If you liked what you heard, you can follow us on all social media at Pod. And if you really liked what you heard, you can support us financially at patreon.com slash avantbardpod. Bloopers for this episode will be on Patreon next week. But until then, we will see you anon. A hey na na ni no, na ni hey na na ni. Avant Bard is created by Matthew James Marquez and Megan Charlow. To support the show, visit patreon.com slash avantbardpod. We would like to thank Riley Allen for the creation of our theme music, Cloverkin for our logo artwork, and everyone in the audience for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Avant Bard, you can visit us on all social media platforms at Avant Bard Pod.